0: And I'm apologizing in advance. My wife got me sick this week, so she just couldn't stand me being happy during Thanksgiving. So she passed it on to me, so I'm going to try to get through this the best I can, but my throat's a little hurting, and so I'm going to do my best. I've been praying that God will give me the strength to get through this. So please rise. We'll read uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord... But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself. Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints of the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceitfulness plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the holy the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love will you pray with me Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity just to come together and just uh, dig deeper into your word. Father, I pray that you'll just give me the strength to get through this message. Father, just uh, let my voice stay. Father, just remove me from the situation and just let your words flow through me. Father, I love you and I praise you. I ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So God's put this on my heart a long time ago. When, when COVID first hit, you know, I've always believed that COVID was just Satan's tool to help destroy the Christian faith. You know, it shut down the churches. It, uh, and even after churches opened back up, you know, there was a lot of division. You know, you had the mask against the unmasked. You had the vaxed against the unvaxed. So there was just a lot of division in it. But when COVID hit, it changed our lives. And it refocused our lives. And I'm very thankful for COVID because it changed my life. And it, it refocused me on what really mattered. And I truly believe that something big is stirring up in Quanta, Texas right now. You know, I feel it down in my heart that God's ready to show up and show out in this community. But it's going to take Christian men and women to step up and say, enough's enough. We're going to have to be willing to come together as a community of believers that all worship and praise the same God. We have to get past the name that's on our building and start serving the name that's on our hearts. But before we can go into the community, we have to clean our own houses. We have to truly commit to being all in for Christ. We have to give up the desires of the world and the pleasures of this world. 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah says, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 1 Corinthians 10.21 You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. See, all three of these verses are saying the same thing. We cannot serve the Lord and be a part of the world. This is the first step into making a positive impact into our community. If non-believers don't see any difference in their way of living and our way of living, then we need to take a long look in the mirror and pray that God will reveal to us the sins that we have grown accustomed to. See, a lot of times I feel like we look at the things that are going on around us and we know it's wrong and we know it's sin, but it's been happening so long that we just say, well, that's just the way it is now. And that's not the way it is. You know, we have to step up. We should ask God to remove the scales from our eyes so that we can see things more clearly. When the world sees us, they should see Jesus. See, being a Christian isn't just a Sunday morning gig. It's a lifestyle, and we must live it to the fullest. You know, I wish Lurleen was here today, but I always hear a lot of people joking over in the Misfits class that she'll go up to United and spend hours talking to people about Christ and inviting them to church, and I think that's just awesome because she's actually living out the Great Commission and go and make disciples of all nations. For some reason, she's chosen United as her personal mission field, and we should all strive to be that way, using every opportunity we get to further God's kingdom. But our lifestyles must match our words. We can't preach the gospel if we don't live out the Bible. You know, I've always heard people say that we should preach the the gospel every day, all day, and sometimes even use our words. People are going to watch us more than they listen to us. They're going to see where we go. They're going to see if we're at the same parties they're at. They're going to see if we're listening to the same, movie or same music they're listening to. They're going to listen and see if we're talk the same way they talk. So it's our actions that do the preaching, not our words. If they see us living a worldly lifestyle, then our message is useless. Step two is our church family. Unity is very important in our church family. We need to be able to lean on each other in times of trouble. We need to be able to encourage each other. We have fellowship that creates bonds between each other. And that way we can pray for each other and carry each other's burdens. We can laugh and enjoy each other's company. But just like in our own families, there will be times in our church family that differences will come. People will get upset with other members in our church. Someone will say something that someone else will get upset about or something was said years ago and you're still mad at that person and that person doesn't even know you're mad at them. This is just the division that Satan wants in the churches. Satan knows that if we can't get, if we can't get along inside our own church, we're definitely not going to be able to get together as a community of believers. Anything that he can do to keep us from uniting as one body of Christ is a victory for him. See, there's four things that cause division in our church. Number one is a lack of communication. Anybody ever heard the phrase church hurt? Many people get church hurt because of a lack of communication. Some people get their feelings hurt because they're never asked to help out in church. But at the same time, they've never volunteered or asked if there was anywhere that they could help. Having an expectation that someone should come to you without you putting out any effort cause you to get your feelings hurt and often leads to people leaving the church. You know, another example of somebody getting church hurt is they heard half the story. They didn't hear what was totally going on, they just heard a little bit of it and they assumed it was about them. So then they got mad at that person and, you know, ten years down the road they're still mad at that person and nobody even knows why. I was talking to a lady in Childers a while back and I've known her my whole life and I was telling her that I was, well not my whole life, but most of my life. I was telling her that I was preaching over here now and she was telling me that she believes in God, she reads her Bible, she prays, she does everything, but she don't go to church. And the reason she don't go to church is because one time when she was a kid the preacher's wife said something that she didn't like so she got church hurt and never went back to the church. And this lady's elderly. She's probably 75, 80 years old. I'm not sure how old she is. I hope she's not looking on Facebook and younger than that. But, you know, that just shows that some, some small thing like that has caused this lady to never go to church just because she is upset about something that she may have taken the wrong way as, she, as a kid. So number two is the lack of direction. Without direction, the church can get pulled in many different directions. The church should have a clear path and direction or a mission. Having a vision in our church aligns us in going the same direction and allows us to set goals and move forward as a family. Number three is lack of expectations. This is very important. How can we grow in Christ if we don't have expectations of our our church family? How can we be examples for our youth if if we're not growing? See, the first three, they all go hand in hand together. Lack of communication, lack of direction, and lack of expectations. If I want to get from here to the back of the building, then I need to communicate with my body where I want to go. I need to have a direction of where I want to go. And I need to have an expectation that all my body is going to work together. But if I start walking and one of my legs decides to go this way, the whole body's just going to be thrown off. But number four is a lack of focus on God and his truth. And sin is usually the root cause when it comes to division in a church. And it should be dealt with quickly, but also lovingly. We as a church cannot turn a blind eye on sin. If we know that a member of our church is not living a, a lifestyle that glorifies Christ, then we should address it quickly and as a family, not just as an individual. We should be the light in the dark world. I shared it on Facebook the other day. When we warn someone of consequences of sins, we're not judging them. We are truly loving them. You see, I think that's one of the things that the enemy is used to twist around. That any time we try to hold somebody accountable for what they're doing, they throw in our faces, oh, you're just judging me. You're not supposed to judge. You're not supposed to judge. Well, man, I love you enough, I'm going to tell you that you're living wrong and that the way you're living is going to get you sent to hell. That's love, that's not judging. If God called it a sin, it doesn't matter what the world calls it. So we must make every effort to be in unity with our church family. If anyone has an issue with a member of our family, then go to them and resolve it. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar, and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer the gift. 1 John 4.20. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love the brother whom he sees. How can he love God who he has not seen? So if we have any issues with our brothers and sisters in our church we should do all we can to fix it. Now, this doesn't mean that we should turn a blind eye towards our sin just to keep the unity. But in love, correct others, and do all we can to remain unified. See, at this church, we have several fellowship activities. Once a month, we have a fellowship meal. We have a men's group that meets on the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month. We have a women's group, the CWF, that meets once a month. And we'll also be having several activities over the next few weeks. These opportunities these activities give us an opportunity to come together and to form a bond. Now, I understand that you can't make every one of them. I know people get sick. People have to work. Our biggest thing is Amber usually has games. So we miss a lot of stuff. But I encourage you, if you, have, if you are able, to make as many of these events as you can and just to grow together as a church family. And then number three is community unity. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You see, if we want to see a change in our community or in our schools, then we as Christians have to come together as a common goal. There's many churches in this town, and there may be small differences in the way we worship or different opinions about certain doctrines, but what we have in common is more important than our differences. And that's who we worship. See, the name on the building doesn't matter as much as the name on our hearts. God has given us all different gifts, and it takes all of them to fulfill his purposes. Ephesians 4, 17 through 16. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led the the captive captive and gave gifts to the men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended for above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints of the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into Christ who is the head, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective work by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body and the edifying of love. See, we're all different. And that, that's what makes us need each other. If we're all exactly the same, we'd only be able to do one thing. But since we are different, we can use all of our gifts and our talents to accomplish many things. It takes all members of the body of Christ, that means all the churches, working together in unity to change this community. We need a fellowship with one another. We need to attend events at other churches. You know, a few weeks ago, we had a ministerial alliance meeting, and it was the first one that they've had since I've been here. And they were talking about the school maybe going to a four-day week next year, and they were talking about, you know, they were going to need the church's help to take care of some of these kids on the on that fifth day of the week that normally would be at school. And all the churches were sitting there saying, well, we're too, busy, we're too busy, we're too busy, we're too busy, we're too busy. And it bothered me because that's an opportunity for us to minister to a lot of children that may not go to church on Sundays. This is a perfect opportunity for the churches to come together and say, you know what, we'll take care of this. So I may have ran my mouth off and said, volunteer at our church to take care of it. <laughs> so I'm probably going to need somebody, some people's help. <laughs> but but that led to, from one thing to another and I kind of went off on them I didn't really go off on them but God's given me a voice and I used it and I told them that we've got to come together as, as a community you know we can't sit there and say this is your church this is my church we've got to get focused on this being his church um, I was kind of upset at the community thanksgiving because I started writing this sermon last week because I knew I was going to be gone a lot during this week. And Josh Crow got up there, and he gave pretty much the same sermon. And I'm like, dude, come on. But then, you know, I realized, you know, this is God. This is God. You know, he's starting to spread this through this this town, through this community. And the preachers, you know, we agreed that if we can't get together as leaders of the church, how can we expect our churches to get together? So hopefully over the next few months, next few weeks, we're going to see a lot of change. A lot of change in this community, a lot of changes in the church family. We've got to get past this where we think we can fix the problems and start letting God lead us. So we're going to open up the altar here in a second. We'll have a song. The altar will be open. But like I said at the beginning of this, there's something big about to happen here. I can feel it but it's going to require us to all come together with one vision. You know, when I finally submitted to God, you know, he was always there. But when I finally submitted to him, he changed my life. He did some amazing things in my life. And me standing here today is a result of me submitting and him saying, welcome home, son. And I feel like we can do that in this community. I feel as if a community and as a body of Christians that we can submit our lives to God, that He can turn this community around. Now, I'm not sitting here trying to badmouth Quanna, so don't think anything like that, but we're really not living the way we need to live. We're gonna have a movie night sometime, probably around the first of the year. I think that's the next available weekend. We got so much going on. And it's a true story. It's called uh, Appalachian Dawn. And it's about a community in Kentucky and they had a, they were averaging one death, teenage death a week from overdose. They were living in one of the highest poverty areas in the country, which is also where we're going to be going on a mission trip to. And a preacher came into town, and he said, enough's enough. And they got together, and they started, pre- they started marching through the town and praying And this is a community with with 1,500 people, and they've brought in 1,400 new jobs. One of the biggest drug dealers there has probably led more people to Christ than any of the preachers in that community now. They said there's wildlife coming back into the area that hasn't been there in years. You see, that just goes to show, when you invite Christ back into the community, man, this place can just change. You know, this could be the starting point of just a revival that can just spread all across this nation if we're willing to truly submit and truly live our lives for Christ. Will you stand with me? My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this message that you've given me. Father, I thank you for this passion that you put on my heart. Father, I just pray that uh, you'll just spread this message through each and every one of us, Father, that you'll just touch our hearts and touch our minds. And, Father, that we'll just live according to your will. Father, I just pray for everybody that's just battling with the sickness that's going on right now. I just pray for healing. And I pray that just uh, you'll just open our eyes, Father, and just show us, show us your purpose and your will, Father. We love you and praise you. I see you things in Jesus' name. Amen.